When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. NBA playoffs in full gear. Put in five bucks on a game and you get $150 in free plays. Doesn't even matter who wins. That simple, that easy. All right. Now, joined by William Brad Alice. I'm merely Mike Luke. William, hello. Michael, hello. Yeah. All right. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to, uh, we got a Manscaped read coming up. And when you think Manscaped, you think Mike Luke and you think Brad Alice right there. So we're going to get to that. You should. Right, maybe. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I don't well, you know what? Manscaped, quality product. You and I, quality, quality comfort. people endorsing quality a people. quality product. We love right. dogs. We're good people. All right, so we've got uh, we got Air, we got some Arizona basketball recruiting. We're gonna talk a little bit of football, but first, I wanted to ask you uh, about something, Brad, because so Arizona just offered a uh, Kwame Evans Jr., uh, five star kid out of Florida. If I'm looking at this right, essentially Tommy Lloyd has about five, four or five offers out to 2023 kids. What do you make of this? Because it's it's definitely unique in that you're saying, okay, we're going to prioritize very few, and if you're going to prioritize very few, you've got to hit on a lot. Yeah, Tommy Lloyd is uh, does this differently than Sean Miller did. Sean Miller used to offer very early, but they weren't necessarily committable right. offers, and then he'd prioritize. And if you remember the, one of the great examples of this was Gabe York, right? Gabe York was offered super early. We were one of the first schools to offer. And then they kind of held him at arm's length. In fact, I was up at one of the, the events in Phoenix and I interviewed him just in case glad an inkling that I forget who Arizona ended up losing. They ended up losing a committed guard went back to Gabe York um, and finally gave him the committable offer. And I interviewed him and I tucked it away. Right. Uh, just in case. I had was a ahead. Um, there was another guy I did that with, and that was actually Raleigh. It just made sense that Arizona should pursue Raleigh when some other things fell through. Um, but yeah, so, but that was how Sean Miller did. You got the offer. But you necess- couldn't necessarily commit to that offer. Tommy Lloyd does this thing. Not only is this a committable offer, we, you, we will take you on the spot, but we think we're at least getting you on campus. This isn't like, you know, because Miller's whole thing was he tried to get guys on unofficials all the time. 
Right. I remember all the Chicago kids came in and Jaleel Okafor and all his friends. They weren't recruiting the friends. They were, I don't even know if they're really recruiting Jaleel Okafor. Right. They just wanted him on campus. If it Tommy Lloyd, if Tommy Lloyd offers you, he wants you and he thinks he has a decent shot of at least getting you on campus. And so um, far, it's so far that's, I mean, again, I don't really put a lot into the 2021 class because, again, you're getting in here late. You don't have relationships. He prioritized Kylan Boswell. Got him. Prioritized KJ Lewis. Got him. So there certainly is something to what you're saying. Uh, well, let's even look at that class. You know, he didn't land him. Ty Ty came to campus multiple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaluma came to campus. Right. Shaden um, Sharp. Shaden Sharp, who, you know, again, didn't end up playing. But so he was successful in the fact that he pursued these guys. And Miller did the same thing. Remember Miller's first year? He had those guys. One went to Kentucky, one went to Kansas. They were on campus. Um, you didn't land them, but they were on campus. And that's, again, the thing here. You know, uh, they pursued the one kid. I think he didn't commit to BYU, uh, the mm-hmm. one kid out of Utah. But yep. they were in the mix with that one. So if you're going to lose out, you're going to lose out on a kid who has you in his top five, not a right. kid who has you in your top 15. Right. Um, so my guess is that he thinks he has an in with 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 with, uh, with, with Kwame Lewis Jr. Uh, or he wouldn't offer. Because, again, while some schools will offer anyone who's a five-star, they'll look at all five services and be like, we'll offer them all. Uh, Tommy Lloyd does not do it. He's trying to get into that territory. Remember, for a while, would, the Duke offer was the offer. Right. If you got the Duke offer – like it was something to brag about. I think that's what he wants the Arizona offer to be. Do you think? Um, that, do you think he's essentially trying to avoid? Because a lot of us, and I'm not blaming Miller here, but a lot of us kind of, I think, got caught up in just looking at, oh, he's a five star. But it, some of these guys just weren't good fits. I mean, you look at it, Kobe Simmons and you know Raleigh Alkins were probably just not great fits for what Sean Miller wanted to do. Alonzo Trier, same thing. Wildly talented player, just wasn't right. a Sean Miller guy. Who would you would rather have for 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 the three years you had Alonzo Trier, Trier or Justin Simon? Oh, Justin Simon and Sean Miller would have too. Yes. Uh, so I think that's Tommy Lloyd has a plan. Now it doesn't mean he's not adaptable. Uh, Lute Olson was adaptable. Um, you know, if Lute Olson suddenly could recruit three guards who could all ball handle, well, you had the '94 team. But at the end of the day, Lute knew what he wanted, and rarely until the end. Did you see Luke just adding guys to add guys? Right. Even when it seemed like he didn't have a plan, and I and I look at where he's like, I'm just going to recruit all small forwards. I'm going to bring in Walton and Anderson and and Richard Jefferson and Luke Recker, and uh, it actually ended up working because well, Ricky Anderson ended up becoming a power forward, Uh, Luke Walton ended up becoming a point forward, and Richard Jefferson became a defensive stopper. So, right. What uh, what percentage of guys? Well, all right, let's well let's stick on let's stick on uh, Evans here for a uh, uh, second. I'm not going to lie. When I first saw that Kwame Evans Jr., I for whatever reason I thought it said Kwame Brown Jr. and I'm like, oh wow, okay, we got a big guy here. Ironically enough, I somehow thought he was a Florida player, right? Like like Billy Donovan, Florida player, right? Um, right. Because I, I remember the name, but I didn't realize he played at George Washington as a six six wing player. The the, the dad. Right. Uh, this guy's what six ten, mm-hmm. uh, athletic forward type. Again, who fits the Tommy Lloyd system? Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think it was Kwame Brown, but I had him mixed up with someone else. Do you think that this is essentially going to be a recruiting strategy where it's kind of fifty fifty domestic overseas? I think a lot of it's going to depend on the year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's going to depend on what they need, um, and what kind of kids Arizona can end up getting. Cause I think 
with some of the international guys, they're fine coming in as projects. Right. Because frankly, you've been a pro. I mean, Adama Ball was on the, you know, you, that U17 team barely played, and then he plays a little bit. And, um, but I think what you're going to have to do is are there quality, and I'm going to call them three and a half star players mm-hmm. who are good enough to compete for Arizona, but not good enough that they are going to be mad when they don't play year one. Right. Um, and if you can get those domestically, great. But if that's an international guy, great. What's your take on what's your take on Philip Bor of Cannon, the kid that committed uh, last week? Uh, last week, I know we basically we all have the same you know view, but what looks very talented. I think it's just hard to tell. Yeah, you know, you're watching him play. What is essentially probably slightly our, better than Tucson High School talent. Our friend Jody Ayler said that it looked like him playing out there, but we shouldn't diminish that because you said Jody can play. Jody can play. Yeah. Jody, Jody, Jody's good. But again, I don't know what, what is it? D three Croatian pro ball. I don't know right. what that is. Is right. that, is that better than the LA fitness in Phoenix? That a couple <laughs> of the, a couple of the Cardinals drop into every once right. in a while. Um, I don't, I just don't know. Here's what I see. He's six nine. He can stroke it. And he moves well. Right. Um, so, again, I'm going to trust Jack Murphy. I'm going to trust Tommy Lloyd to know who he was playing against. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're bringing in a 6'9 small forward shooting guard who's going to be happy um, not playing next year and being Kirk Reese's wingman at, at sorority parties, then, then, then I'm fine with that. Uh, you take a chance on that guy. Now, if you're counting on him to replace Ben Matherin, then I'm a little nervous. But that's not the plan. I mean, they that the plan is to develop this kid two, three, four years in the, in the system. Uh, so I'm fine taking in. Just like I'm always fine when you use the 24th and 25th guy in your recruiting class for a 300-pound offensive lineman who can, who can move a little bit. Uh, you right. can teach technique. He has a raw skill set that looks pretty good to me. Okay, now let's talk about the uh, let's talk about um, how do I want to put this? Kirk Creasy. You brought him up. I was going to talk about him later. Kirk Creasy is an interesting guy because I asked Doug Gottlieb last week and I asked Matt Muehlbach, two guys that are much smarter than me, the same question about Kirk Creasy, and I said, "Can you get to a Final Four if he's one of your leading players at the point guard position?" And they both said, "I don't know." I think we talked about this on Friday. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you again, too. I take the same feel. My yeah. feel is I don't know. Right. Um, I can't tell you you can't. Right. Whereas there are some point guards in Arizona, not so recent history, uh, that I could tell you I don't think you get to a Final Four with. But I also don't think you're counting on him to be, again, your sole point guard. Right. This is a combo guard program now, I think. So the bigger question is, can a combination of – Kirk Risa, Adamo Ball, Pella Larson, uh, Dallin Terry, and the new Justin Kyer, whoever that is, the, the combo guard transfer that they're going to land, I assume. Mm-hmm. I assume if I assume if you're a combo guard who's looking to move up from like George Mason to uh D1 and, and try to make a run at a final four, Arizona's gonna be an attractive place. Can that combination of of ball handlers get you to a final four? Probably. A double ball, a double ball, somebody that I find fascinating in all this that I think a lot of people are kind of overlooking. But one thing, let's talk about that. But one thing you can't overlook is the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, put in five bucks, get $150 in free plays if you just bet. It doesn't even matter who wins, it's that simple, that easy. 
21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem, call 1 800 next step. Brad, do the Suns win tonight? Yes. All right, I would agree with you as well on that. If the Suns don't win tonight, then we're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Okay, well, we agree on that as we agree on the draft. Scott, wait, is Scott Foster uh, officiating? Yeah, I was going to say, right? Oh, gosh. Um, all right, Adama Ball. He's fascinating to me because we talk, we've talked about him before. I wanted to go a little bit more into depth uh, about him, though. Obviously, Tommy Lloyd's got real expectations for him. He's a little interesting because he's he's an overseas recruit, obviously, kind of a three-star kid. You, you know, it's difficult to find. But when he played... He never really looked out of place, William. He looked like, you know what, I belong out there. He didn't look like a freshman just trying to get green, whereas you put out uh, Jalen, or not Jalen Noel, excuse me, Shane Noel, it kind of looked like he was a freshman out there, where Ball didn't really look like that. I think the, the reason Ball didn't play more was just two things. One, the talent ahead of him, and B, physical maturity. Uh, he's he was scrawny. He was young too. Like he was 17 when he got on campus, if I'm not right. mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was really lean, really right. thin. I don't think he could play 30 minutes against most of the opponents in the Pac-12, where even against the bad teams, especially against the bad teams, you're running into a bunch of 21 and 22 year old guys. Um, another six months in the weight program, and I think Ball's going to be just fine because again, here's a kid who grew up in that professional system in France playing against other pros or young guys who were going to be pros. Uh, so I think he had the, I think he had the fundamentals. I think he played in enough real basketball games, uh, probably in front of decent sized crowds. I, I, again, I don't know how those junior teams work, but I know some of them have pretty good crowds in Europe. So my guess is, yeah, the only thing that was really think, the biggest thing was a who was ahead of you, b physical maturity, and I and I'm sure there was a let's transition to the United States game, let's transition to the United States, um, but I think he, yeah, I think he'll be just fine. The question is again, I don't know what he is yet, right? Because um, he was supposedly a point guard in France. Right. Uh, I was thinking about he, is he a two guard? Is he a Dallin Terry type uh, play all over the perimeter type? I just haven't seen enough of him to know. I know he can score, right? I was thinking about this earlier. Who's the guy that you can think of from Arizona that came played as a freshman and played as a freshman? Sean, I like that right there. Um, and looked a little overwhelmed, came back as a sophomore, and for lack of a better term, became a boss. I can think of two guys. Uh, one is uh, Jordan Hill. Well, for sure. Jordan Hill's a great one. Jordan Hill's a great one, for sure. And the other one is Michael Dickerson, who actually okay. never really looked overwhelmed. He just struggled to find minutes with guys ahead of him. You put you put JT in that same category then? Yeah, I might. You know, even to a lesser extent, I mean, Damon didn't play a ton of minutes his freshman year. Well, that's true. Uh, so this again, be- that was more due to who was ahead of him and, and Luke's trust level. Right. But uh, – yeah, that's something we don't see as much now because either kids have to come in and play right away or they transfer. But um, for those of us who go back, you know, anyone over the age of like 35 will right. remember that this was pretty common under. I mean, look, even look at like guys like uh, uh, Corey and, and Joe McClain who played those spot minutes um, mm-hmm. who later came and became very reliable role players. I mean, there was a right. lot of those. You just had to have the patience to do it. Okay. Now – yeah, so we're I'm looking ahead to this next year's raw or next year's raw. Everybody seems to have Arizona kind of in that 
seven to 12 preseason range. Now, again, it's people got to remember, we're assuming we're going off the uh, pretext that Dalen Terry comes back. But I look at it, Brad, and I don't, I wonder if this is a little bit of an overcorrection to an underreaction last year and that Arizona prize should have gotten some pub just because of the talent they had on it. Whereas I look at right now what Arizona has, and let's assume they get the five-star big from Europe who is good. And let's assume that he's 12 and six, which is good as a freshman for sure. If you got him to Bellas, Terry Larson and uh, Kirk Creesa, is, is that a top, 17 that team to me feels more kind of in that 15 to 20 range or am i just well here's the questions i need answered what is dallin terry next year right well that's the thing is he the 16 and 8 guy you think he might be Mm -hmm. or is he the 12 and 7 guy i think he might be right uh what is tabellus right Isn't Tabellus a a massive key here that we're not that a lot of people aren't talking enough about? I thought Tommy Lloyd made a great point before the season. Because keep in mind, everybody's beating up Tabellus right now. This is still a guy that is a freshman put up 31 and 8 on the Mobleys. I mean, he can do things, but I thought it was fascinating what Lloyd said about him before the year. He said, I'll know that Azulis really is where I want him to be when he can look at a player and say, you're not as good as me. I'm going to destroy you type thing. And again, he was good this year, but you really never saw that where he just kind of looked at somebody and said, I'm about to dominate you. Well, here's the thing. When he came into the season, we all knew Matherin was the better pro prospect, but we thought Tabellus was the best player on the team. Correct. Correct. And he ended up being third, third, fourth. Yeah. Um, It, is he the 17 and nine guy we think he can be? Right. Um, and then what does Krista become? Right. Uh, can he just be a more consistent version of him? And if those things fall into place, and I need to see who the other pieces are, you know, who's the combo guard, um, assuming they go that direction, you know, do they get the European? Then I think top seven is, is realistic. But if Dallin Terry is 10% better than he was last year, Right. Uh, Tubelis is closer to the guy we saw at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Right. If Creesa does not improve, if he maxes out, then yeah, Arizona's a, a, a 12 to 25 team. Uh, All right. So there, there's a lot of questions. Can they be a top two seed? Yes. But some things have to fall into place. Some guys have to make the jump. Um, some pieces have to be added. I think they also need, if they get that combo guard, I think they need that combo guard. And I like Justin Kyer. I really do. But I think they need it, that combo guard to be a little bit more dynamic. I think they need the player to be somebody that can make some plays off the dribble that can stress a defense a little bit more. Or am I just, you know, or, or would a guy like Kyer be a, a fine substitute right there? I need a more consistent Kyer. That's fair. There were games where I thought he could get to the rack at will and didn't. Right. There were also games I think he didn't take the outside shot when he should. Right. There were other games I think he was too confident. So he was just just couldn't quite figure out his own identity, I think. And I right. and again, maybe that's a lot of it is we didn't always know Kerr didn't always know his identity. Um, and we had different versions of Pella Larson. I think as Pella got better, Kyer got a little worse. Right. Um, because Pella became more trusted. Pella became a guy you, you know, at the beginning of the year. Oh, Pella, don't shoot. Oh, no. Pella, no, it was Pella, don't dribble. Yeah. And by oh. the end, you're like, yeah, Pella, sixth man of the year. <laughs> um, you know, it's the same thing. We saw the same 
and that to me is very good coaching as well. Let's put another feather in this staff. Uh, Omar Balo from week one right. to the NCAA tournament was a completely different player. Yeah. Um, my guess is Dama Ball in practice from week one to week 30 or whatever it is. Probably a different player. Uh, but, yeah, so I, that's, I think, you know, can they mesh these guys a little quicker? Because, again, when, when Larson's out the entire preseason, it's hard to mesh these guys. Right. Brad, let me tell you about Manscaped. All right. So here's a lot of people are probably saying, Mike, what's Manscaped? Uh, you probably have some issues. You got to shave. It's a, it's nothing that anybody likes to talk about, but you know what? We're here to ask the difficult, to talk about the difficult subjects. So we want to thank our friends at Manscaped and for the best below-the-waist grooming out there. You can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer to you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Not domestic, worldwide. They they produce a product like Tommy Lloyd Recruits worldwide right there. And again, free shipping with the code uh, uh, DBACS at manscaped.com. Okay. Now, basically, again, uh, 20% off free shipping with that code. That's 20% off. Okay. Now, again, Manscaped's fantastic. They've sent some stuff for me. It makes it a lot easier than it should be for me. People of Manscaped, thank you very much. All right. William. What's up? So, all right. Going into year two of going into year two of the or uh, the Tommy Lloyd reign, it's going to be fascinating to me to see what they can really do. Can they maintain that level at the top of the college basketball hierarchy? Because a lot of people, and I think of this after Sean Miller's year two, um, where I think a lot of people were thinking you're going to build towards year three. Derek Williams blows up. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we take a big sink because it was something that, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily preparing for. Lloyd's in a little bit different uh, boat here. I think Lloyd knew that uh, Benedict Matherin is probably going to be gone after this year. I also don't think that he expected his team to be as good this year. So year two is going to be a fascinating barometer for him. Yeah, I also think you look at it and um... – they're not going to have the drop-off. And I, I used to drop off after the first Elite Eight run because there was a recruiting drop-off. Right. Remember, he brought in all the USC guys. His next recruiting class was Perry and uh, Jordan Mays, and that was it. Right. Um, then they got some talent in for that third year, but it took them a while to mesh. Um, so really, the, the recruiting didn't crank up until – and then they began the run. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it? two elite eights and a sweet 16 in a three year span. Um, So I think that is what you look at. Whereas I don't think you're going to have the huge drop off because a, they're prepared B next year when some more of this talent might be filtering out, you've got right now two five-star guards coming in. Right. Right. Um, Which, you know, again, and you also have the the market that's better now than it was back then. And they're the five-star guards, too, that I like, too, where, you know what, they're really good, but they probably both project more as multi-year players then. Or, you know what, you're good, you're really good as a sophomore, then you go. I think guys like that are kind of the perfect uh, entity because I know you're going to be really good, but I can also plan a little bit around you being here more than just one year. But they also committed so early that if one of the guys does start to blow up, you can prepare. Yeah, for sure. You know exactly what you're going to be looking at. Yeah, yeah. So if, Bros, if suddenly Boswell shows up on campus, you've already had him committed to, you know, for what, a year? And you can be like, okay, we, he's a one and done. We know we we can fix this. Whereas, you know, 
Derek Williams blows up in Maui and, and you can't prepare for that. Right. So does Brad Alice sign off on the Tommy Lloyd recruiting approach right now, though? Offer very minimal, uh, offer very limited class and tell them how much you want them and bank that you're going to get a high percentage of those kids. Yes, because I think the alternative, unless you're just masterful at at recreating who you are, and maybe he is, you right. know, Luke could do this, um, but you get what you had at the end of the Miller era, where again, you were bringing in five stars, they didn't make you any better. Right. Or you get basically the Steve Lavin Alford version of UCLA, which was good enough to go to tournaments, get to Sweet 16s, but it just looked like, Oh, I'm going to grab this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and try to put them together and mesh them. Right. And just because they're talented, we'll just see if it works. Yeah. And sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. Um, because look at just how many of look at how many of the Alfred guys are still in the pros. They're mm -hmm. talented. Right. Uh, but they he couldn't mesh them because he's trying to just whether it was his lack of system. He was also his, he was also kind of a crummy coach. Yeah, that's that is true. Yeah. And again, unfortunately, as much as we like Labs, I don't know if Labs was a great coach. Uh, no, I don't think that he was. I don't but think he was I, a great acquirer of talent. I think Miller's actually a better coach than those guys. No doubt, but no doubt. Only in his little box. Right. Yes, and for his sure. His problem was he got guys outside the box, and unlike Loot, who would have been like, "Oh, okay, I can figure out how to do this," yeah. uh, Miller couldn't. Miller tried to make Trier just like Nick Johnson, and he's not Nick Johnson. Well, yeah, and that's where I and Schuster and I were talking about this the other day, and that all of these guys benefited a ton from Lloyd because when Lloyd came in, it was almost what can't you do, but what can you do? Like I kind of get the sense that Dalen Terry would not have been able to spearhead the offense the way in which he was. He would have probably been more of a defender. You stay over here type thing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And so I think that's where these guys certainly benefited from a Tommy Lloyd Christian Coloco, I think benefited in a different way, mainly because I think certain guys need to be coached different. And, you know, and Tommy Lloyd talked about that. We loved on him. And I thought that was a very interesting quote that he said, you know, about his big uh, progression. All right, Brad, before we sign off here, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to talk a little bit of Pac-12 football with you right here. And we talked about this last week, but I wanted to dive a little further into it because I was watching the USC spring game. And I'm just going to say it right now. I could be wrong, but it feels like USC is coming. And again, I agree with what you said about Lincoln Riley being the A-minus coach. He's not Pete Carroll, but at the same time, I also do believe, though, that he is so significantly better than Steve Sarkeesian, than Lane Kiffin, than uh, Todd Helton, or not Todd Helton, uh, Clay, Clay Helton, that it feels like they're going to have this on lock for a while. No, they're absolutely going to be nationally relevant for a while. Um, whether that translates into multiple national championships or even national championship appearances i don't know right they will win no fewer than 50 percent of the uh, of their games South, of the pac-12 south right that they're involved in right now whether he can take them from a 10 11 win program to that 12 13 14 win program that's what i don't know um he also has an added bonus colin cowherd is slobbering all over that program, which means Fox is slobbering, all, slobbering over all over that program. Correct. Um, Helton didn't get that love. Right. Lincoln now, Riley didn't get that love at Oklahoma. Right. Um, now, again, do 18-year-old kids care about what Colin Cowherd says? No. Their dads might. 
for sure. Um, other news agencies who are retweeting, who are seeing that, well, Coward's tweeting about USC. It's getting a lot of run. We better give them some more coverage. Um, so I think he has that added bonus, and he's going to get some of that L.A. love that no one has gotten since Pete Carroll. Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, when you're going to make that ascendancy, is year three, is that a fair barometer to start judging Jed Fish as a coach as far as getting wins, losses, saying, you know what, I look at this roster, I think that you should be able to get six, seven wins. Is is year three fair or is it still more year four? I think year three is fair for wins and losses. Again, you have to temper your expectations. This year, I just want to see a better product. Right. Um, and, you know. Do you want to see better quarterback play, Brad? Absolutely. I want to see better everything. Um, play calling. Right. Execution. Right. Um, now, I will say this. I saw enough evolution last year that I feel optimistic. Mm-hmm. Because San Diego State was an atrocious performance. Right. NAU was inexcusable. Right. Um, Oregon was pretty good. For sure. Quarters. Yeah. UCLA was pretty good. Utah. Utah. Um, Will Plummer went from being the quarterback who couldn't get out of his own way against NAU. Right. What did he score? Seven? Seven points, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I think the defense. To a guy who traded blows for quite a while with a very good Utah team and for about three quarters traded blows with a, with a solid ASU team. Mm-hmm. He just ran out of gas. The team ran out of gas. So I saw that improvement. It was it uh, enough to make me happy. No, I think they should have won a couple more games. Maybe they should not have lost to NAU with their fourth string quarterback, but that's what I want to see now. Uh, much like we saw early with Stoops. Stoops was instantly, you know, what do you win four games that first year, but they were a I better think there team. Were three, but there was so much different than what you had seen the previous year. It and just then the looked next, different. And then even the next year, they, you know, they, they did not belong on the field with you USC that first year. They lost what? 49 to like six. Right. The next year they were within 21. The next year after that USC never covered against Stoops the rest of the, the, the time there. Mm-hmm. And they actually upset him once, but that's what I want to see. I want to see an evolution of the product. I want to see, you know, again, better play calling, better quarterback play, better defensive play. Um, Cause we saw better recruiting from year one to year two. That's all right. I'm looking for this year. Um, I need to see more wins, but if they're three and, and nine, but look good doing it. Right. I'm fine with that. Um, conversely, you know, if there's somehow six and six and look terrible in the six losses, I'm still optimistic because you found a way to win six. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's a can't win. Either way. What I don't want to see is I don't want to see a team that, that goes two and ten and just doesn't look much better right. and see the same mistakes being made um, within the program. And so that's what I'm looking for in evolution because I keep seeing people like, what if he only wins three or four? He's only supposed to win three or four games. Right. Granted, he wasn't supposed to win one last year, but he wasn't supposed to win much more than three. So if they're a three or four win team this year, and again, it looks better, I'm fine because it is year three and year four that they're building towards. All right. I wanted to make fun of a one entity here real quick before we sign off. But again, something you can't make fun of, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Put in five bucks, you get $150 in free plays if you're a new customer, but you got to bet on these NBA games. William, I said before the year that I thought the Miami Heat were going to win the NBA title. They had, I believe, the ninth best odds. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it on my DraftKings Sportsbook app, Code Word PHNX. You've been I, saying it from the beginning. I stand right. People mocked you. 
Yeah. And I, you, you stayed resolute. I stand resolute. All right. ASU, you and I have been following ASU for a while, obviously, just because of the proximity. Has ASU football and basketball ever been in a worse position than it is right now combined? No. No. Because I'm not sure football can, can, can course correct quickly. And because here's the problem. You don't really know. If, if I'm a good coach, why in the world am I taking a job where you could get significant sanctions? We're not because, again, that coaching staff thumbed the, uh, thumbed the nose at all of COVID regulations and whatnot. So there's no blueprint for how they're going to deal with that. My guess is it's going to be bad. Here's why I think it's going to be bad. Um, when Sean Miller had his issues, mm-hmm. how many current coaches killed him in the, in, in the media? Right. right. None. None. How many ADs? None. None. Um, the head coach of Stanford. Right. The most – politically yes. baseline yes 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 crush them who which right. ad was it was it the oregon state ad or I, the was it, well, I thought it was oregon but you could be right it was, it was one, one of those two. two crush them ad's don't crush anybody right because that's right. a political job so my guess yeah i know billis and, and those guys got on miller but but we're talking we're Dana talking Oatman didn't come out and slam miller in right. public David Shaw slammed ASU. So I think they're going to get hit hard, uh, or at least reasonably hard. Uh, But the fact is, you're staying by your guy. Right. And you're not backing down at all. You're not even in, even when Arizona stayed by Miller, did it really feel like they were standing? You knew they would jettison him the minute it was, I, I think, I think they're going down with the ship together. Well, and what's crazy about Brad, they're losing. They've lost half their roster. You're not bringing anybody else in. It's I. You're in a terrible no man's land now, where you can't really start to. I always like the phrase when someone says "dig your way out of a hole" because you can't dig your way out of the hole. I mean, but uh, you can't really get out of the hole because you don't know what's going to what's about to occur. Staying status quo is going to give you three wins next year. They're in a they're in a pile of poo. Well, and then they're not embracing the NIL. Right. Um, exactly. They should, they should be, uh, frankly, if you're as much trouble as there, you should be t- finding that line and towing that line right. uh, for every NIL thing right now. Cause at least, you know, cause it may take three or four years for you to get your sanctions. So mm-hmm. why not like pay a bunch of players to come play for you? Um, right. You know, hook them up with some of those uh, shady girls in Tempe, whatever yeah. you need to do, but right. they're not even doing that. He is William Brad Alice. William, what do you have on the hopper? Where can people find you? you? I know you're doing some podcasting. You said you were podcasting before. What are you doing? What are you up to? Well, actually, yeah, I did. A, a friend of mine does a, a, a writer's podcast. Uh, it's called Speculative Sandbox. I'll be on there probably next week. I recorded earlier. Speculative talked, Sandbo- uh, Sandbox. Yeah, I, talked, I like uh, that. Yeah, I did one on dystopian uh, mm-hmm. fiction. I just did one on superheroes. Mine will be relaunching. I'm hoping to get one recorded Friday. It's just been... Uh, between an ill dog and some some other family issues, I put mine on on, on hold for a couple of weeks. Hope to be coming back with that on Friday. Talking about a lot of the same things we're talking about here, and uh, you can always find me at WSR Brad on Twitter and just my name Brad Alice on Facebook. If you really want to read about my what's, parenting, what's what's your real name? William Bradley Alice. Yep. Okay. Although and according we'll- to my son, it's Bozo Junior the Third. Oh, but you know what? Um, just be just be nice because we're talking about a kid that's got a future in athletics one way or the other. One way, yeah. Well, you know, when you're 11 years old, you're 5'2", 155, you know. 
Something no, I was going right. to say, yeah, feed him right. All right, Brad, again, can't thank you enough, my man. We'll uh, we'll be doing this. Just so everybody knows, Brad brings in the numbers. Tuesdays at 1230, out, unless something happens, we'll always be there. Oh, by the way, guess what I'm doing the next three days, Brad? Uh, manscaping? I am the lead announcer at the Mountain West Women's Tennis Championships up at El Conquistador. That actually sounds awesome. It is awesome. And I know it's funny too, because I told them I know nothing about tennis whatsoever. And all they said was, can you pronounce names? And I said, I can do that for you. You have a color commentator who's like going to be really good? Uh, no, I'll, I, well, no, I'm just the announcer on oh, the- Oh, just like, oh, the PA yeah. announcer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's got to be a sweet gig. No, it is. They feed you. They give you everything. You're at, you're at the resort. No, I know. I deserve it. That's the way that I'm looking at this, Brad. No, no, you absolutely. Um, I can tell you this from covering high school sports. The best moms were the tennis moms. Oh, I could see that. I could so, see that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm assuming that extends to college tennis as you are probably closer to the mom's age than the, the, the athlete's age. Uh, and correct. I don't, you, I, and I don't want you to get in trouble. I am no longer a young buck. So, yeah, but, but tennis we'll moms. Look- William, we appreciate you, my man, and we'll see you next. Uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thanks so much for Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke. Thanks for listening.